Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Bills Beat Podcast. However you're listening to us, whether it be on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on Stitcher. By the way, Spotify never uh, put us on their little uh, little uh, app there. So they're Nasty lost. Guys. Our Nasty game, guys. they're lost. Well, listen, we've... Uh, <laughs> Crooked Spotify. <laughs> We, we, sloppy Spotify. Sloppy Spotify. Well, you might hear three voices, and the reason for that is because we, you know, I I want to say like quarterly, we like to bring friend of the pod Tyler Dunn of Bleacher Report into the fold to say hey to the Bills beat listeners and really just hang out and chat for like an hour and a half. Um, so Tyler, welcome back, man. Great to be here. I feel like we were just sitting here mocking it up, mocking till we dropped. We and, did terribly uh, on that mock. Yeah, it wasn't that good. It was not. That hey, good. Josh Allen went first overall. That you did. <laughs> but no, man, it's awesome to be here. You guys just do a phenomenal job with this pod. Just trying to slide on in, you know, like a good complimentary uh, Draymond Green type, maybe. Ooh, I could see it being a Draymond. I could try. I could try. I just facilitate, you know, keep the ball swinging around the perimeter. I was going to say you've got a better handle than Draymond, but Draymond's got a pretty good handle. I just, I, I just like how he just gets under everybody's skin. Maybe I can get under you guys' skin a little bit here. There's Tyler. I, I've known you for a long time Settle. now. Settle down. Yeah, you you, you do not get under people's skin, man. Uh-huh. It is like the anti that. <laughs> That's true. Anyway. I think I'm a nice guy. Yeah, right. I would agree. Matthew Fairburn here with me as always. It is the week before July 4th. Man. Holiday week coming up. So what we wanted to do to come in, uh, uh, and we we kind of did something along the same lines last week, but it's it's the dead period, and it's more more like, hey, what uh, what do you guys want to know? Because quite literally, there's nothing going on with the Bills un- unless someone decides to be stupid. Um, but not until training camp gets going. And yesterday, which was Thursday. July or June twenty eighth marked exactly a month ahead of the start of training camp, which man, it's it's creeping up quick already. Um, but we wanted to open up the floor to, to everybody to say, hey, you know, the uh, what what do, what do you want to know about? And there's a lot of off the wall questions, and I'm pretty excited because all three of us are here for it. Hmm. So so let's dive right in. But first, with the Bills question, right? Because that's that's kind of what what we do here. Um, I will not get into <laughs> what I saw. Actually, let's uh, start off with Christopher Ritter, who writes in at, oh, this is a great handle, at Captain underscore Murica underscore. Mm-hmm. Good on you. Uh, are you guys in the camp that Alan should sit to learn or baptism by fire and throw him in week one? Tyler, I, I mean, I think uh, Matthew and I have kind of, uh, talked a bit about this. What 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 what's your take on this whole thing? Uh, man, I think you put him in as soon as he's ready. I mean, obviously, if you get into training camp and he's you know hospitality tenting it around and is sloppy and doesn't look the part and is wild and erratic, you don't play him. But if he's everything is advertised, and I, I mean, I was only there for for a couple practices. You guys saw him a lot more than me. I mean, that arm is. A lot stronger than the other two quarterbacks. Yeah. It's pretty tantalizing. You're going to want to see that on the field. I, I think you just play him as soon as you can. I mean, I hate this idea of, oh, if it's better for guys to sit and wait and learn and watch it. Oh, look at Aaron Rodgers. Well, outside of Aaron Rodgers, how many quarterbacks just have sat a whole season? Even a half of a season. Well, I mean, Aaron Rodgers was forever ago. Yeah. And it was exactly. It was a, more he's than now a decade 34. Ago. Right. He's <laughs> closer to retirement than he is being a rookie. So... Yeah, 
Mahomes last year was the one that that's that's true. sat. But, but we don't know. Exactly. You know, I mean, they, maybe they the Chiefs would have won the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes in there instead. They of also Alex had Smith. Alex Smith, who was you know decent, you mm-hmm. know, a, an established starter. Which the Bills, he's a legged out frankly, double. Right. He's <laughs> okay. He was yeah. at least their starter, established. Obviously, wasn't good enough to keep them from drafting a quarterback in the first round, but he was somebody that could keep a guy on the bench. And I don't know that the Bills have a guy that can keep a guy like Josh Allen on the bench. Well, A.J. McCarron, come on now. No, I mean, I, I, I agree with both of you guys. I, I think you do it when he shows specific signs to, to actually move forward. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, I think it's not as simple as, hey, he's the most talented, throw him out there right away. I think there's kind of a, a gray or, a, or middle area here to where you sit there and go, Okay, is he making strides off the field? Is he understanding the concepts of defenses? What is he seeing when he's looking at practice or in preseason games um, from the defense, and is he making the right decisions and the decisions that Brian Dable is trying to teach him to make? And he's never going to be perfect at that because no quarterback is. Um, I mean, not even Tom Brady is perfect at that. But I think in the same vein, you have to – set him up for success and I'm not always sure that the way to do that is just to chuck him in there and figure out the rest he's by far the most talented don't get me wrong and I think before too long he will be the starting quarterback but I just think there's legitimate steps that he needs to make and the other part of this is I mean he has to make some adjustments with throwing the ball too and and that's something they're working with with him on his footwork and you know that takes time it takes repetitions and practice and in preseason and if he, and if he just reverts back to everything that he did in college then what are you doing you're just setting yourself up for failure you're setting him up for failure and I, I just think there's there's more to it than just hey he's most talented chuck him in there but don't don't you learn by doing by being out there I mean do you, do you, you learn do. that stuff on a sideline with a clipboard in your hand well the the footwork part uh, no, you don't. Or, or yes, you do. Um, the the other stuff, the the see what you can mm-hmm. and, and see the defense. That that part of it is a is it very much yes. But there's still ways for him to show yeah. signs in the film room to say identify coverages, spot what the the defender is going to do based on some tells from the defense pre snap and 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 everything along those lines. So that's that's why I think they're kind of pumping the brakes a little bit, but I, I don't think it's going to be too long before he starts yeah. getting first-team reps at training camp. I don't. I'd just say, I mean, look at Carson Wentz, Jared Goff. I'm sure there's a few others recently that have gotten out there. Goff especially, gotten his face beat in. I mean, yeah. he looked really bad. I mean, he took, I want to say, like 28 sacks in like seven games, all losses. And he said, like, there's a value to this that people just can't see. And people probably thought he was nuts when he's saying that comes out next year and is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I, does he get to that point if he doesn't get his face beat in? I mean, and he doesn't get out there for those seven, eight games? Right. I think fans are going to want to see some Josh Allen this year, for better or worse. And I think there's a case to be made that he's going to give them the best chance to win maybe yeah. as soon as week one. I mean, That's probably right. He can run. He can push the ball downfield and make throws that the other two guys cannot make. And... What are you missing out on by having him in there instead of, you know, A.J. McCarron or Nathan Peterman? You're missing out on the safe 
check down passes. We don't even know if A.J. McCarron can be a passable NFL quarterback. I mean, he's played in a handful of games. Nathan Peterman threw five interceptions in one half. All of that was not his fault, and I do like the way he looked in the spring, but those aren't exactly guys that make you say, well, this is a lot safer than going with the rookie. It's two completely unknown. So in that respect, you know, to your point, they they're by year two, Josh Allen better be ready to lead this team to the playoffs. I don't think that's unrealistic. They're going to be flush with cap space and he's going to be heading into his second year. And we saw that that's kind of the timetable with some of these guys. And when I asked Brandon Bean about that, he kind of, you know, backed off it a little bit and said, every team has their own plan. Everything works out differently for everybody. We're not going to force it, but I have a hard time believing they're going to keep him off the field for too long. Well, this is a long-term question more than anything because you brought something up about him giving them the best chance to win right now. Should that be the only reason that they throw him in there? Because it, at the end of it, if you are maybe hurting his long-term progress by saying, hey, he gives us the best chance to win right now because, I mean... You know, with all due respect to Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron, it's not as though they're exemplary options to start in in this year's season. It's not as though he's going up against like somebody like Joe Flacco or someone that you know can can start and be somewhat efficient. Um, I think the the real question they have to sit there and ask themselves is what's most important to them? Is it the development of Josh Allen or is it winning in 2018? Because I don't know that they necessarily have the team to win in 2018 the way that they did last year. They have better defense, but their offense is is worse. And, you know, say what you will about Tyrod Taylor. We discussed him a lot last year, but you have to think there's going to be a step back in quarterback production this year and because there's going to be more turnovers this year. It's really that simple. So uh, what what is the most important facet to them? Is it winning now or is it doing it the right way with Josh Allen even if he is the best guy of the bunch right away, it, is is it going to help you in the long run? Boy, and, and you kind of alluded to it there, Joe, but isn't the elephant in the room this offensive line? I mean, this line could be a sieve for all we know. And I the mean, receivers are bad, too. Yeah, and, and, exactly. I mean, Calvin Benjamin's a, a big, strong guy. He's not going to really get much separation deep. And then what do you have outside of that? So, mm-hmm. yeah, huge question marks and... I guess that's what would probably give you a little pause, I guess. As much as I, I'd like to say throw him out there the second you want to throw out Josh Allen, you could understand and like empathize a little bit with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. And, you know, they don't know how this offensive line is going to perform. Right. I mean, you, you lost a lot of the middle. And I think that we so often we think of like left tackle, right tackle as, as so important. And they are important positions because – of the edge rushers, but in today's NFL, mm-hmm. teams and, and defensive coordinators really game, game plan to pressure you up the gut. I mean, Aaron Donald's going to get an insane amount of money here soon. That's where kind of the value is right now in the NFL, and to lose a Richie Incognito and an Eric Wood in the middle stings. Yeah, it does. They've got John Miller now back in the lineup at right guard. Tyler just made a face because you can't hear that. Um, Vlad Dukas. I do like John Miller, man. He was a... He was a great guy to talk to in that locker room, but we just haven't seen him. The uh, the attitude is completely different this year. I talked I talked with him, and he's he's like a like a changed guy. Really? Granted, it was the spring, but kind of like a refreshed sort of mentality. Yeah. Anyway, Vlad Dukas is at left guard, and he was serviceable last year. <laughs> Big Vlad Dukas guy. Uh, Ramstein making an appearance here, um, and 
either Russell Bodine, who was terrible in Cincinnati, for um, if you ask any Bengals uh, analyst, and or Ryan Groy at center. And Ryan Groy was solid for those seven games that he actually played a, a few years ago, but he hasn't seen the light of day since, and the Bills aren't really interested in trying him out anywhere else than center. So... It, there's a you're right. There's a huge question mark there, and and they have to do a lot in in that vein. And uh, it's, I just how much I, I, li- I like Josh, but it's it's uh, if you're setting them up for failure, then I just don't know what, what what you're doing. You don't want bad habits to form. How much different is that than what Cam Newton had as a rookie mm-hmm. in Carolina? True, not drastically different. He did have Jordan Gross. They did have a. A couple of experienced linemen, but his line wasn't great. He had Steve Smith, Josh Allen would have Kelvin Benjamin. He had D'Angelo Williams, Josh Allen would have arguably the best running back in football in LaShawn McCoy. And Cam Newton was really good right from the jump. But you and don't, th- you don't. I mean, there's a difference though between Cam and Josh Allen as quarterback prospects coming out. Like Cam was a lot more advanced there is, than Josh. There is, but I don't think it's drastic. I don't think you know the the problems are similar. I think Cam's obviously a better athlete and I think just had some better playmaking instincts than Josh Allen has, but I think the accuracy was the big issue and still is with Cam Newton, and he found a way to survive it. He made a ton of plays with his legs. I don't think Josh Allen's going to be quite the runner that Cam Newton is, but he's got that size if they want to use it in short yardage situations. So I just think... It's interesting the parallels between the way the Panthers were built and the soft spots they had because the Bills now have basically, what was it, every year going into the draft, everybody was saying with the Panthers, boy, they they really need to get Cam Newton an offensive tackle. Boy, they really need to get Cam Newton a wide receiver. (laughs) Right now the Bills are building this thing and it's starting to look a lot similar in that those are their two big weaknesses. And Carolina... Never really figured it out. No, uh, the, the priorities line, are very much the same from what they built in Carolina. And the offensive line is still kind of a problem in Carolina, and I'd say they have better wide receivers, but they never quite got it all to click, except when they had you know Kelvin Benjamin really rolling. But I don't know. I think that's a a legitimate thing to wonder about going forward is how they're going to figure that out because uh, Cam Newton had to thrive in spite of what was around him at times. I, t- I tend to agree with that. and I, there There is a lot of comparisons you can make between Allen and Newton just based on body type, game type, what, everything. I mean, Cam Newton was number one pick. Yes. I'm not saying and, that's Josh and, and Allen. And Cam was, by and large, the best quarterback in college I mean, when you get when you get picked number one ahead of guys like Blaine Gabbert and Christian Ponder, you <laughs> it really know says you're something. just a, a bona fide stud. So, hats off to Jake him. Locker. They're... they're I mean, there is a former Blaine Gabbert fan here in, uh, uh, at the Bills beat. A Gabbite. Fritz? Big Blaine Gabbert guy. <laughs> we do have a fourth co-host. Fritz is passed out underneath the podcasting table. It's, it's great. He's a good, good German boy. Speaking of Rammstein, um, he, uh, I, I think the, the similarities between Allen and Newton are there, but I just, I almost feel like the Bills are just in a, a worse spot than even when Carolina put Cam Newton No, they definitely are. I mean, looking at Carolina's roster, they did have, you know, Greg Olson, Jeremy Shockey at a ripe age of 31 years old. They had Jordan Gross, Ryan Khalil, D'Angelo Williams. But the wide receivers, it was Steve Smith and Legadu Nene. 
Hey, well, they had a pretty good defense, but a bunch of guys got hurt, hey, which is why they they had S cubed. They were just fine. Yeah. Steve Smith, Steve senior Smith was is awesome. He was great. He it, was only thirty two at the time. He had almost fourteen hundred yards that year. So they and they had Greg Olson. I right. Mean, they had some. I would say their offense was in better shape, and Cam Newton was slightly farther along. But still, you know, there were times when Cam Newton. Didn't have a whole lot around him True. and and was kind of running for his life and getting beat up. So it happens to guys. Matt Stafford was hurt for a lot of his young career yeah. and came out of it fine. I, I don't know. I think that's the one thing. If he's not ready, you don't put him in mm-hmm. yeah. naturally. But yeah. I don't know that you necessarily ruin a guy because of what's around him. I think a lot of people think, get afraid. You can't put the rookie in because... Uh, look, Look! Jordan Mills isn't a very good right tackle, and this guy isn't a very good number two receiver. Newsflash, next year, there's going to be another weakness that you're afraid to have him out there for. Your quarterback yeah. should mask those weaknesses and get used to everything not being picture perfect. Right, like it, the whole stunt your development thing, like if a quarterback can't handle like those down moments and can't handle getting his face beat in and sacked 20, 30 times and mentally right is, is unable to handle that, then yeah, he's not your guy. Like he... You need to see those ups and downs. I mean, you mentioned that year Cam Newton had, I think it was week two that year. It was my first year on the Packers beat. Green Bay was 15-1 and that year. Carolina, rookie quarterback. Green Bay won the game, but and Cam Newton threw like three interceptions, something like that. But he was unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. he passed for over 300 yards. He just had that it factor. And I can still remember all those Packer players in the locker room just singing his praises like, this guy is going to be unbelievable. And so you're whether it's week two of a rookie season – Week ten of a rookie season, the, the following you're gonna find out if this guy is your future quarterback for the long term. If he's if he's the answer, one way or another. So, if, like you said, Joe, if he's ready, I don't know. I, I say play him. Right. It, don't force it. If no. he looks terrible in the preseason, you yeah. don't say, eh, "Screw it, we're gonna throw him out there anyways." But if it's even close, almost, you gotta be like, "Well, the clock's ticking yeah. now." Yeah. To me, it's all about the bad habits forming. If you can avoid that, if he True. shows signs where those bad habits aren't forming, even in practice or the preseason, then yeah, go ahead and throw him out there. Side note: I miss the Cam of old. I wish he would come back. I mean, it, he he was dynamite once upon a time, and he's he's still pretty good last year. But I want to see him get back to that level because when Cam is rolling, it's a fun league, and it's really fun to watch him play. I, I'm I'm looking forward to see if he can get back to what he was. He, he was they were so bad in that Super Bowl against Denver. I think we, we kind of forget the season he had. That was one of the best seasons for a quarterback was, in NFL history. He was it was, so it was good. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Cam Newton, come back to us, would you? All right. Next question uh, coming in from hey another friend of the pod, Patrick Moran, who at oh, Pat Moran yeah. tweets. He's got his own podcast. He he does a nice job with it, from from what I understand. And have you both been on it? Absolutely, he does been, a great job. On it? I, I will be on it uh, sometime before training camp. Um, oh, I'm, I might have just did a spoiler. My bad. My bad, Pat. Um, <laughs> he said, would love to hear a little discussion among you three talking about what it would have been like to cover the Bills in the 1990s between the Super Bowls and larger-than-life personalities among some of the players. I kind of equate that, like the larger-than-life personality, to what we went through in 2015-2016 <laughs> with Rex. I mean, that was blowhard city and I, I think it, it's probably not the same because those teams actually had the game to back it up but it's along the same lines and I think there's two different discussions here if it's covering that, those teams back in that age or covering those teams as if it were today 
because I think they're very different ways to kind of uh, slice the bread here, so to speak. I think that, and I've thought about this too, and Bob McGinn, my old uh, beat partner in Green Bay, we, we would just talk about back in his day covering the Packers like in the late 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s, and I just get so jealous because like he'd say he'd go to training camp practices and it'd be like him and a couple other reporters and you'd talk to players, you know, right off the field, coaches, call a coach up on the phone, ask a question, you know, get players for an extended period of time. I mean, the access mm-hmm. was unbelievable. I mean, covering the NFL wasn't what it is today with constant 24-7 news cycle. And no Twitter. Twitter. Nice. No Twitter existing, which had to be a beautiful thing. No, but. no internet really being, yeah. a, you know, yeah. something that gives you an immediate deadline. Just worrying about the next day's paper would have been, uh, yeah. that would have been fun. That's a little but. free. I kind of like today. I kind of like the way it is. I think Maybe it's just because I live it, but... I feel like we get to know guys, you know, here and there today. Yeah. I mean, we're all in the storytelling business. I think we've all had stories we're proud of when we really got to yeah, know somebody. Right. I, I just feel like then it was yeah, laid back work to another... Yeah, you got to work for it now. Yeah. I, then it was, I think, you were part of the fabric a little yeah. bit more. And That's true. You know... You know, apparently all these guys were hanging out at the big yeah. tree all the time, yeah. just throwing <laughs> them back, and probably didn't care if you know whoever was standing there. You know, right. um, and I'm sure there's stories upon stories from that big tree in. Right. Oh. So it's like you know, I, I think being around that. I mean, that was literally the heyday of newspapers, mm-hmm. and so in addition to it being the heyday of the bills, kind of would have been awesome. I mean, it would have been it would have been everything. Not that it's not a fun job to have now, but I mean, there was a lot of you know a lot of good stuff going on uh, in the business then, and obviously the Bills were. I don't even know what it would be like to cover a team that runs to the Super Bowl, let alone with that many big personalities. But you know what? I also like the fact that uh, back then, it's almost as though what reporters put out there was almost like accepted as gospel about the team mm-hmm. now fans kind of challenge the media a little bit more to, to be smarter to to sharpen your Which game is definitely that's a great thing. and and i love that that's really part of what makes the whole media industry so good these days but going back to what it used to be i mean th- that part of it the accessibility is certainly a big factor of it um just covering a, a Super Bowl team would be interesting because last year was my first foray into the playoffs, and it was like season nine on the beat. Um, it was your first foray into the playoffs, Matthew. You've been to the playoffs covering a team with, with the Packers. Uh, I mean, what is it like when they actually make a run? Because you would know more than I do. I mean, that excitement in the air, that buzz, is just its unbelievable. I mean, you, you look forward to it, and obviously we're objective, and we're there to cover the wins, cover the losses, and... I mean, yeah, some of the favorite games I've covered were just unreal playoff losses for the Packers. I'll right. never forget Brandon Bostick sitting in his locker just thumbing through his phone and looking at God knows what after that game. But, um, but yeah, I mean, when that excitement's in the air, I mean, we always talk about, like, the fans and the readers kind of being our boss and us kind of covering the team in a way that would be user-friendly for them. Yeah. So when they're thrilled and they can't wait to get up in the morning and read about their team, learn about their team, absorb every bit of information about their team – Makes your job that much more fun, too. Sure. I mean, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it would have been unbelievable to cover those teams with that aspect on top of more access and getting to know these guys. Like, we want to get to know these guys. I'll, you know, give you an example. You know, with my job doing feature stories at Bleacher Report, 
thankfully, I know a lot of players, call them up, set up interviews, hang out for a few days, you know, able to get, get to tell those stories. But there was one recently where I called a player, I won't say his name here, you don't want to get him in trouble, and he's like, absolutely, man, give me a call tomorrow. We'll, we'll make it happen. We're going to talk about his quarterback. And he said, well, you know what, he just signed with a new team. He's like, I don't want to, you know, ruffle any feathers. Just give their PR a heads up. Just mm-hmm. shoot, shoot this guy text, let him know you're calling me. This PR guy literally steps in and says, oh, no, you can't talk to him. You know, you got to wait until training camp to talk to him because, you know, we don't want you scooping the locals. We don't want you doing this, doing that, and which, okay, I, I get it, but this can't we just be humans talking to humans? Sure. Uh, he just is talking about his quarterback. You Can were trying we... to do a solid. Yeah, exactly. I mean, why don't we just? Did you go ahead and talk to him anyway? <laughs> no, I mean, no. He's <laughs> we, we backed out. It wasn't it wasn't that important. But it's yeah. a very small example of like I don't know. Yeah, in in the nineties, I doubt that's happening. Yeah, yeah. I I have a kind of like a uh, more of a theoretical question than anything. Would the nineties Bills have been as successful? in today's day and age of social media and just the all-out coverage aspect of it. Because, you know, it's not as though we matter a ton, but the way media covers these teams is on their mind, at least a little bit. And the way those 90s Bills teams were, those personalities, everything along those lines, I mean, things might have gotten blown up that sometimes were overlooked uh, in, in those ages. So would they have been successful or would there be more public pressure to react to certain events that happened throughout the course of time? That's a great question, Joe. I mean, I want to hear Matt say Yeah, I think too. they still would have been they still would have been good. Yeah. They, they probably would have they right? would have adapted. They wouldn't have been at the big tree every night waiting for any old Joe Blow with a camera phone yeah. to take their picture and put it all over That's the That's another internet. part of it, too, right? Uh, I think that maybe is the more important thing here, is whatever they were doing in public, God only knows, would have been, you know, in the spotlight a lot more. It would have mm-hmm. been very hard to get away with, you know, some of the partying and all of that. But I think, still, when it boils down to it, they had talent. I mean, Jim Kelly was a great quarterback, Andre Reed, Thurman Thomas, you know, two of the best at their position. So you had these guys who were more talented than the rest of the league, but it would have been interesting. They certainly wouldn't have, you know, Jim Kelly wouldn't have been having reporters over at his house, I'm sure, after games, you know, things like that wouldn't have happened. The microscope is on players now, and it wasn't so much back then. That's that's why I wonder if they... I mean, they, they would have been good. I think they probably would have made it to the playoffs every year. Would they have gone to the Super Bowl every single year? Would would some of that negative, like the attention that would turn negative, even from fans themselves? Because nowadays, like, people see certain things and they just get totally turned off by, by certain players and, and their actions. So I wonder if there might be a little bit of that with that, too. Like you kind of said earlier, though, I just don't think we're that important or should be that important. Sure. Like, no, I get it. You know, we talked about it on a previous pod. You know, Rex Ryan bringing up the fact that Sammy Watkins was asking for the ball and bringing up that. It's like, why even bring? We're not that important. Like, I don't know. I think the best coaches don't make a big deal out of the media or sh- shouldn't be swayed by those ups and downs. But that, that being said, though, <laughs> I can only imagine in Green Bay if Twitter was around with Brett Favre in the 90s. Oh, my because God. Because right. many times out at the bar myself and just you just hear, like, urban legends about Brett Favre and 
and and I mean, the, Jeff those Perlman's book, if you've read that, a lot of that, I mean, there, yeah. there's where is it? He had a pretty amazing uh, book. It's a, he had a pretty gnarly painkiller addiction, and he was yeah. a pretty rowdy drunk. But I think the other thing too is if you play those four Bill seasons over again, even then, that probably doesn't happen. Like no. that's such a rare yeah. thing to go to the Super Bowl four years in a row. I don't think we'll ever see that. And again. I don't know that that's ever going to happen in the NFL. And I don't know if it would have happened if you played those four seasons over again right there in some sort of simulation or whatever because that just doesn't happen very often but more than likely i it wouldn't have happened now if they played now because i think it's harder to keep a team together like that yeah mm-hmm. it's a it's amazing that the patriots have been able to do it but it's it's exceptionally hard to do that yeah uh, all right well um before we get into more questions because tyler you're here matthew you're here i'm here we all we all do work outside of the podcast Let's do a little thing called uh, what we're working on. Matthew, what, what do you got over at The Athletic these days? Yeah, as most people know, I'm, I'm over at The Athletic now. Um, you know, we had last week a, a special launch, and I am flattered by how many people in the comments t- talked about how they were listeners of the pod and, and had to subscribe. Uh, Tim Graham just started this week, which is a pretty big uh, free agent edition for the Athletic. We uh, gotta get TG on here. Mm-hmm. I think TG's that's, that's gotta yeah. Happen. TG's gotta get on here now that he's a teammate of mine. He's a neighbor, you know. Now uh, I can <laughs> I can have him on the pod. But you know, we're pretty excited uh, about some of the stuff Tim's working on a on a few uh, features that I think people will really like. And I just put out a story on Tredavious White and Micah Hyde, kind of. Setting the bar pretty high for this Bills secondary, which I think quietly could be one of the best secondaries in the league. I agree with that. Today, a couple in a couple hours, editor just got a hold of a story I wrote on Saran Neal, and Ooh. we've talked about the big nickel on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I think that's the guy that could take that job if he's ready for it. I talked to his college cornerbacks coach about how he went from safety to linebacker to cornerback, which is a really odd transition. Look at you connecting with Jacksonville um, State. Well, you know. Uh, <laughs> Working those Jacksonville oh, State yeah. sources. You know, but it was it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see if he steps up when pads come on. He's not quite as big as Shaq Thompson, but he's a guy that I think could fit into that role. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've got that. I mean, John Vogel just covered the hell out of the, the NHL draft and development camp. So a lot of stuff going on. No ads. No pop-ups, no autoplay videos, 4.9 star app. I don't mean to be a salesman here, but uh, it's a pretty good app if you've scrolled around on it. And uh, my favorite part is they love that you guys were commenting. They love that we do this podcast, and they want to give a special deal to the listeners. So if you haven't subscribed, go to theathletic.com slash billsbeat, and you'll get 40% off your first year subscription, which is... That's a that's even you don't get the free T-shirt that you got on launch week, mm. but it's a better discount than launch week. So that's pretty good deal. Um, yeah, and as many people have asked me, you do get not just Buffalo, but everything nationally, yeah. every city, national coverage. Pierre LeBron breaking all the Ryan O'Reilly news whenever it comes down. So yeah, head over to theathletic.com/slash/billsbeat. You get forty percent off. And like I said, blown away by the amount of podcast listeners that were in the comments on my first couple of columns because. Uh, you guys are are my favorite my favorite people, and you're in there commenting away, and it, it, it means a lot. Tyler, how about you? What are you working on over at Bleacher Report these days? If I can just tack on here real quick, I just want to say, sure, everybody out there, 
should be absorbing sports news and information the same way they do music, TV. Absolutely worth pay what you'd pay for a cup of coffee yeah, to get Tim Graham and, and Matt Fairburn. I mean, I was thrilled for you guys. I mean, talk about a one-two punch. You couldn't draw it up any better than that. So, I mean, you've been doing phenomenal work already, Matt. I'm not just blowing smoke. I mean, it's the Kelvin Benjamin story was fantastic, and everybody knows what they're going to get out of TG. I mean, he's just the best in, in the country, I mean, at what he does. So, um, yeah, everybody should get out there and subscribe if they haven't already. So, congratulations. Yeah, of course. Just awesome to see. Um at Bleach Report. You just did a great story on, on Jamal Lewis, right? Yeah. Maybe the best well, NFL well, you, story I've seen in quite a while. I don't want to, you, you know, you. I'm not going to sit there and say, hey, you have to say you wrote a great story, <laughs> but I'm going to say it for you. You wrote a great story on Jamal Lewis. Tell us a little bit about it without you know, giving the nuts and bolts that people haven't. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I kind of had seen a couple years ago that he was struggling. I mean, I think it was public knowledge, obviously, that he went bankrupt and the Ravens gave him a Super Bowl ring in 2012 that he had to sell off for some money. Um, he had talked a little bit here and there about dealing with some concussion issues mm. already. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, the light bulb kind of goes off. It's like, oh, my God. I mean, this is somebody we all remember. I mean, we remember yeah. that 2,000-yard season. He was remember, one of the best running backs in the league at that point. He was unbelievable. I mean, and to run with that power, that reckless abandon, that speed at his size was, was yeah. very rare. So... Um, and it was right in that, he played in that time frame, kind of right before league denial came out, right before we really learned about CTE and what concussions can do to you long term. So I, I just thought it'd be a fascinating guy to, to hang out with. And it, it took a little while, but eventually he was open to it and said, yeah, come on down to, to Atlanta. He lives in the Buckhead area, hang out for a few days. And um, it was fascinating because, I mean, he was really open and honest about what he's dealing with already at 38 years old, he's dealing mm-hmm. with the kind of issues that you usually hear about out of ex-players in their 60s, in their 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, d- driving somewhere, completely forgetting where where he's going. Um, mm-hmm. He he has to put everything into his calendar on his phone, or else he'll probably forget it. I mean, he runs three businesses really to just keep his mind going and going and going and going. Well, he had a and punishing running style just, too. Uh, so that's, that, yeah, I mean, his career yeah. ended with concussions. I mean, yeah. he, you can look up the head. I mean, it's scary to see, and it's really scary because. That week one hit against Minnesota, he's out cold, mm-hmm. goes to the sideline. You see Eric Mangini, his, his coach at the time, tap him on the head. They're laughing about it. He gets out there the next play. Man. Um, but It's crazy to think because, like, I enjoyed watching him run yeah. so much. And then you see what it did to him, and you're just like, I what it's are we watching? Horrifying. I mean, and, and as he got into I mean, the lowest of low points is when he re- considered killing himself. I mean, he had the suicidal thoughts in his head, um, still suffers from depression, he admits, you know, I'm not out of the cold yet. I mean, he, he, he's seen therapists. He's, he's been working on things to try to get past this. But um, the scary part is, yeah, he's only 38. This isn't something that improves. Mm-hmm. He said, look, these are these depression symptoms and, and everything I'm dealing with, it's not like it's really going to get better. You, you just deal with it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's uh, the dark side of the NFL. I mean, this is a league that is fun to watch. We all love plugging in our fantasy football lineups. We all love – Covering this game, it's soon legally sports gambling, gambling, <laughs> but it unlike any other sports league, chews you up, spits you out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I actually had a couple U.S. soldiers unsolicited send me messages and said, "This is almost kind of like what I'm dealing with, or wow. I know people have dealt with with PTSD, and like, this is the kind of stuff that you know you hesitate to really compare a game right. to war, but s- similar kind of getting spit out to society, trying to." To deal with a nine to five and deal with life, mm-hmm. like we all deal with it after you play this game, it 
guys just can't handle that transition, especially oh. when you play the way Jamal Lewis played. It, it's incredibly scary stuff, but and I, 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 I think Matthew will agree with me here. Tyler Dunn is one of the best in the country at, at writing those stories, if not the best. And so if you have some time, go and find it on Bleacher Report, his story on Jamal Lewis. And he'll have some other stories coming out. I'm, I'm Much sure love, man. Not, I appreciate not, that. Of Thanks course, a lot. Of course. Um, and over at Channel 7, this will be the last thing. Plug. Yeah, you're here. Might as well plug it out, right? Absolutely. Um, uh, doing finishing up the Bills uh, top twenty talents countdown that the I've been countdown, doing. Which, by the way, Matt Milano was real high on that list. Well, do you know the uh, you know why I, I do it the way that I do it? Because right. it's more projection than anything. Because the young guys tend to be a little bit higher, whereas like Kyle Williams, he's probably a little bit more advanced. Because I had I believe I had Deion Dawkins ahead of Kyle Williams. Kyle Williams is a better player than Deion Dawkins right now, but Kyle Williams is on his last legs. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's kind of. At the at the end, or, or at I think I had at number nine, but Milano I had at six, and we're we're finishing up the six. Uh, I yeah, didn't that, see that. That was the he, most of them. As you're going through them, I'm like, yep, yep. He yep. had an and outstanding like, season last year, and I want to see what he does with a 16 game schedule. Yeah. So that one is uh, solid. I just put out number four. I'll put out three, two, and one the rest of the day, and you, you can go read any of those right there. It's got their full outlook, that stuff, and uh, and 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 yeah, it's. It, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've been doing that for a few years now, and it's always yeah. one that kind of generates some conversation on, on the Twitterverse. So, so yeah, that's what awesome. we're working on. All right, um, let's uh, get back into the questions, shall we? Hey, you know what? The reason, the catalyst for you being here was one of uh, our listeners, I think, at the Handsome Lake, Jig Money Justin is how he <laughs> These goes. These names, I love he, them. He talked about... Uh, he talked about having you on and talking about the Southern Tier and giving a Southern Tier uh, shout out out there. So how about how about you give us a little Southern Tier shout out at, at this point, just just for those those guys? How long do you got, man? Uh, this is uh, let's 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 go with a like, couple hours. What's the place called? The Greasy Spoon. The Greasy Spoon. Let's talk <laughs> I've about I've never the been to the Greasy Spoon. spoon. <laughs> so, I gotta get there. Obviously, you guys know I went to Ellicottville for school, but I grew up in Salamanca, Great Valley, kind of up in the woods in between. Not a lot going on in Salamanca. Be the first to say it. Not a lot going on in Salamanca. The city has changed (laughs) a lot. I'm hearing from Dad and, you know, that generation, the Salamanca, they grew up in a little different than the Salamanca kids are growing up in today. But if there is a hidden gem, I'll give you two hidden gems in Salamanca. Got it. The Plaza Restaurant, a.k.a. the Greasy Spoon. Unbelievable. I could. I haven't been there in probably I don't know five, six years, and then before that was probably another five, six year gap. I could go in at any moment. They know exactly what to get: triple cheeseburger with fries. So you're saying we should go podcast there? We absolutely <laughs> should podcast there. It's unbelievable. Just the grease just dripping off your hands. The wow. cheese, the ketchup, mustard, and their cook is legendary. Everybody who's been there knows who I'm talking about. He's right behind like that front bar, and he's working 100 miles an hour, cracking eggs, chucking them, cracking eggs, chucking them, flipping burgers. Never stops moving. The best meal you're going to get in the Southern Tier. Boom. Plaza Restaurant. Number two. Okay. I'm sorry. I'll keep it short. The Salamanca Mall Antiques. Unbelievable. <laughs> I did not take Tyler Salamanca Mall Antiques, Antiques guy. <laughs> Let me explain. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. And it, I'm t- you know, you got listeners out there. They know exactly what I'm talking about. You could spend... Darlene's out there. Darlene's out there. Hey, Darlene, if you're an antiquer, tweet at us. <laughs> Hell yeah. Salamanca Mall Antiques. You could spend 15 hours straight there. I'm telling you. It never ends. Hallway after Speak hallway. You've got... You've got retro sports gear, 
You've got any, anything and everything you could imagine. They have. They do. It's did, it's, did you have... You laugh now. You're, we're, we're taking a field trip. We're taking did, this podcast to Salamanca. Did you have any idea that he would go to antiquing Well, you think... I, it's not just antiques. I mean, yeah, they have antiques, <laughs> but they've got everything. They've got... You want a neon random beer sign from the 1960s? They got it. Tyler's side gig is uh, the Salamanca Antique Roadshow. Yes. It's <laughs> What's that show on uh, on the Travel Channel? Or, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. The guys with the big beards. You know the show. Oh, I'm Pawn Stars. About. Pawn Stars. It's like, yeah. a big, it's like a big Pawn Stars. That's, Absolutely. That's an excellent. And no, name for I mean, show, by the way, the people who know about it will swear by it. It's. I feel like the word's got to get out there more, and it is. It is absolutely worth your listeners from Buffalo driving down. You know, spend a little time in Ellicottville, you know, go to the little shops and stuff, and make sure you take that extra 10, 12 minutes. You know, if you can get into Salamanca, work your way to Salamanca Mall Antiques, it's worth your time. All right, so so since we're off the rails, let's just keep going off the rails. I think we are on the rails, baby. We are on them. We're on the Salamanca rail. Um, Okay, let's, uh, Phil Money writes in, at PMoney59, will all three of you be at Bill's Camp at some point at the same time? Maybe, maybe. I know. Ty goes even once. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll be there there every day. And will Tyler be wearing a Larry Johnson Hornets jersey? Funny story, Phil. Tyler is actually wearing a retro Charlotte Hornets shirt right now featuring Larry Johnson on it. Larry Johnson, Zoe Morning, and Muggsy Bogues. Yes. Larry Johnson is about to throw down. He is. uh, Grandma Ma right there. (laughs) Grandma Ma. We got the Larry Johnson jersey, though. If if that's needed, we can always bust that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I'm just just bringing it along with you just in case Phil's there as well. Oh, I always care. You don't don't leave home with that. All right, let's let's get into a, a Bill's question really quick before we go too far away here. Uh, MJ Monticelli writes, uh, "What about the Tanner Vallejo hype of last summer? How do you see his current slash future role post Milano emergence?" Um, and thank you for using the Bill's Beat hashtag, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tanner Vallejo is fighting for a job. If 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 I can be perfectly frank here, I I think he's probably safe, but he hasn't really done a lot to warrant lofty consideration. He has to show well in special teams, but I don't know that he has a long-term role on this team. I mean, he's not practicing at strong side linebacker. He's, he's practicing right in the middle at middle linebacker. And, and to me, that's, uh, he's firmly behind Tremaine Edmonds for obvious reasons. I just, I think he might be one of those guys that uh, could be one of the first draft picks that the Sean McDermott Doug Whaley era have made that might go bye bye. The make... Sean McDermott Doug Whaley era. Oh my God! Did I just say Doug Whaley? Well, yeah, Doug Whaley was. Yes, he I'm, was. I, I thought that you were making it funny. Was. Yeah. Oh, no, I wasn't. It was an era. I wasn't yeah. making it funny. Um, wow! Look at my mind just making funnies without me. Valet, no. Valet, no. No, I think I think he he probably hooks on the roster. I'm not sure he makes it to year three. Yeah, they don't seem to know what to do with him and. Quite frankly, I don't remember a great deal of hype, or at least a great deal of substance to the hype last year. I think it was more out of the fact that they had no they, there was nobody else there, so he was getting good run. But I think he has. I still think they need sort of an insurance policy for Lorenzo Alexander, who is getting up there in age, mm-hmm. and maybe that's you know where he can slot in, but. Tremaine Edmonds can do everything. Yeah. And Tremaine Edmonds is going to be very good very quickly. And if 
Matt Milano picks up where he left off, you don't need more than two linebackers on the field that often, especially if Saran Neal or someone of that mold can kind of figure out how to play that big nickel role and mm-hmm. make that a part of their arsenal. So maybe Vallejo's got you know a shot, but it's a big summer for him. I, I think he needs to step up for sure. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you there. Um, all right, uh, let's see here. Boy, Tremaine Edmonds is a specimen. Yeah, he's, he's a, a freaking specimen. I, I wonder how good he's actually going to be this year um, because there are some weaknesses to his game, and this this wasn't even a question. Blasphemy. It's not It's not blasphemy. He is perfect, Jim. Yeah, I know. He's he's a little slow to pick up. Why don't like, you tell him that? Why don't you say it to his yeah, face? Yeah, why don't you just walk right up and look at him eye, eye to eye and tell him? <laughs> I'll write it, and then I'll send him the link. How about that? Um, <laughs> I I think he's a little slow to pick up coverage, like Ooh. like guys running out of the backfield sometimes. And, and that's, that's scary I, against the New England. He's got the speed to make up for it, but I saw a few different instances, instances excuse me, if I can talk, where he did that at Virginia Tech, and it was a little bit disconcerting to me, but that said, I mean, he's, I think that's more of a matter to do with experience than anything, but still, he's going to be a 20-year-old starting middle linebacker playing 100% of the snaps, which is ridiculous in yeah. itself, so there, there are going to be growing pains. He's going to put up massive statistics, and he's probably going to be um, in a two-way battle for Defensive Rookie of the Year with Roquan Smith in Chicago, but... I just, I just don't know if he's going to be all the way there just yet like a lot of people think yeah. he's going to be. That, that, that's why I just want to pump the brakes on him a little bit. But he has, the potential is there for him to be the Sean McDermott middle linebacker that, that uh, he kind of turned Luke Keekley into. You could say. I mean, they handpicked Allen and Tremaine Edwards as like the, the, the faces of this team. I yep. mean, absolutely. I mean, McDermott and Bean are, are going to either make it or get fired based off of those two picks. Everything that they spent, all the capital that they acquired, was put into these two players. So, I mean, you cannot, I mean, underestimate, undersell that. No, I no. think a, a weird thought I've had is that, because I've often thought the same thing, right? You get the quarterback wrong, you get fired. But I don't know if it's that black and white here. I, I think there's a chance that maybe they got, if they get it wrong, that they can survive. They get I mean, another swing at it? Blake Bortles is still kicking around. Yeah. It, it Blake all depends Bortles on a hell of a quarterback. It depends how spectacularly the quarterback fails. Hang on one second, Tyler. I'm going to ask you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead, Matthew. They, they, they were one bad call away from making the Super Bowl. In spite of him is kind of my point. So right. if you can he had, build he a had team, a great game. <laughs> Here we go. He played great against him. If you can build on a team road. around a subpar quarterback then maybe you get another crack at it. Spielman yeah. up in Minnesota. Once That's upon a point. time, picked Christian Ponder. That's a good point. That wasn't great. That was poor. It was yeah. not ideal. And the so. Bills have built up a, a good enough defense to where you think you could be, the, If you're sitting, like right. Terry Pagula is not going to fire these guys if they're hanging around 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and, seven and Also because he loves them. Because he really <laughs> loves They're going to get some time. But, but isn't Josh McAllen more of a... Josh McAllen. Josh McAllen. Josh McAllen. Isn't he more Josh of a boomer bust pick, though? I mean, he doesn't strike me as somebody who's going to just fall right in the middle. I think he could like, fall in the middle, actually. I think it, I think he, he could he fall might, in Blake Bortles' land if things don't go well. I don't think he'll ever be as scared to throw the ball as Blake Bortles is. Because no. Blake is very hesitant these days. And and he didn't used to be that way when he when he got into the league. But he, he was a lot... Um, 
less active in, in chucking it around when he first got into the league than I think Josh Allen will be. So I, Allen's got that Favre mentality. We talked about Favre. Allen wants to throw for a touchdown at every mm-hmm. play, and and he's even said that to his coaches too. So it's like, uh, or his coaches in college anyway. So that uh, that's why I don't know if he he will turn into Bortles, but I think he might end up being like a mid middle of the road. If 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 the, if things don't go well, I think there is potential for him to be a middle of the road guy where he just kind of like throws a bunch of picks, throws a bunch of touchdowns, and then you know you're you're just kind of mm-hmm. sitting sitting there at uh, at second base. Yeah, right. it could happen. I mean, I don't know that because I've always thought that. Oh, it's very simple. You get the quarterback wrong, you get fired. But they, he didn't give up future assets to do it, and he didn't, you know, totally sell the future. So he, he could. Did. I mean, they gave a up little a lot. To they get... did, but it was all stuff that. Look at the trade. Sammy Watkins was not coming back, and they got a two for that. Tyrod mm-hmm. Taylor. Maybe he would have. He was not coming back. They weren't paying him what he wanted, and so. Once you figure that out, getting something for him was good. Buffalo didn't have the clouds that Sammy wanted. Right. Or, no, they had too many. They had, oh, true. Well, no, remember he complained about the clouds in Kansas City. That was in Kansas City. Well, it was was (laughs) now now he's in Kansas City. He's with the Chiefs. Now he's with the Chiefs. Full circle. So you get rid of him. You get rid of Tyrod Taylor for a third. I mean, that's a guy that you wanted to move on from anyways. Yeah. So... A lot of the assets were, were, yeah, you got rid of good players to give them up. Uh, you know, Ronald Darby w- was a good player, but they didn't give up a future one, which I think is really important to building the foundation of this team because you can get yourself into a little bit of trouble when you give up future ones and then you're not in the first, so you give up another future one to get back into the first and it becomes kind of a vicious cycle. So he has the tools if he wants to build a good roster through the draft still, but... They still gave up a lot. He, let's not sugarcoat it. A lot is riding on, on Josh well, Allen. Well, they also could have had Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. So but not but that. Brandon Bean couldn't have. And that's where this gets interesting, mm-hmm. is that Brandon Bean isn't the one who declined the fifth-year option on Sammy Watkins. That kind of forced his hand on the trade. It was, hey, this guy's going to walk, or I can get something for him. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in the draft room. He wasn't in the organization when they passed on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. So that, I mean, obviously right now everything's great. They made the playoffs. Yeah. These guys are getting along well. But when push comes to shove, that little overlap, that weird overlap in, in power with Doug Whaley, that's going to make things a little bit interesting when it, right. when it comes to be judgment day on these guys because there was a lot that Brandon Bean couldn't really control. And if he hadn't made those trades, they would have been sitting there at, you know, in the 20s. And they wouldn't have any quarterback right now, so it's it's interesting. It's obviously yeah. going to weigh on him more than anybody whether Josh Allen is good or bad, but it may not totally cripple him. We'll see. And and they, they punted on all the big decisions on on that first draft of McDermott because they did, they knew they were going to change yeah. GMs. Yeah. So there's there was literally no reason for them to uh, outside of the Watkins decision to not pick up his fifth year option. They they just didn't want any part of you know addressing the the big big stuff. And They've been really calculating with this whole thing. Yeah, and they, they made the playoffs and they found a quarterback. So it's worth everybody giving this a shot. The playoffs have gotten them so much leeway with the town, with with uh, with the organization themselves. I mean, as it should. They're they're here for at least three more years, regardless of what happens. If not four or five, I mean, 
Terry and Kim Pagula believe very much in finding something that works and then, and then you know, tr putting all the right assets possible for that regime or those people to do the same things over the course of time. I honestly think they believe strongly in Sean McDermott. If, unless Sean McDermott has a complete flip in personality, same thing with Brandon Bean. Yeah. I mean, th those those personalities, along with how the Pagulas want things to run, they, they go hand in hand there. So I, I think they're they're pretty safe for a long time here. Yeah, it could fly Brandon. off the rails. I mean, a one in fifteen season changes a lot of minds. True. Or, or you know, especially if it comes in twenty nineteen when Josh Allen's supposed to take a jump and you know he goes backwards. Uh, then that could become a problem, but yeah. I'm I'm of the belief that it will take quite a lot mm -hmm. for them to not last at least three, if not four years. Right. All right. Last question. Um, just dive back into the theater of the absurd for the final one. Taylor Wold writes in for, at Taylor Wold, by the way. Question for the pod: Post wedding, will Matthew be Fairburn Rodak, or will he drop the Fairburn altogether and just be Maddie Rodak? Obviously, Matthew Fairburn is is marrying uh, Rodak's mom. Um, no, obviously. obviously, gotta love a good Rodak's mom joke. Wouldn't be a podcast yes. without one. And you know what, Taylor it shows he was a listener way early on because that Rodak's mom joke was was developed. Oh, that was that mid season. So yeah. at some point when well, I was making Rodak's mom jokes. Far before oh, that, yeah. but he was he was threatening. Well, not threatening. He was like teasing. Hey, I'm gonna make the Rodax mom joke on the yeah. podcast this this week. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And then finally, mid season, he he just put it on out of nowhere, right at the right at the tail end. And I was I was shook, man. I I could not even talk. <laughs> Did uh, Mike uh, have a response? Uh, Is he a listener? I, I don't Does think... he ever have a response? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it was, it was incredibly awkward and missed time. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've never heard a more truer description of there, a man. There's, there's can no, we just spend five minutes ripping him so we can see if he listens there's or There's no shot he listens to this. No oh. shot. If, even if, if he I does know Mike listen, Rodak, there's no shot. he would have to get through however long we've been talking. Okay. And, and he probably got thrown off right at the Southern Tier talk. He yeah. did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although he likes Ellicottville. I do know that. Yeah. He, he is pro-Ellicottville. That's right. So all the road actors It's hard not to be pro-Ellicottville, to be honest. That's true. It's, yeah, Ellicottville is a great spot. That's, that's a good time. All right, so uh, Tyler, you're the man. Thanks for joining in. Oh, my God. Around. Thanks for having me, guys. That was fun. Let's, let's do it again uh, before the summer's up. How about that? Absolutely. Um, Matthew, as always, thank you, sir. And uh, we will have one more show next week. We are oh, actually going to do the giveaway next yes. week. Yes. Um, Pre-vacation giveaway. Pre -vacation. Joby's going on vacation for two weeks. Yes, I am. Lazy guy. Yeah. How <laughs> nasty. How, nasty guy. how dare I get away from, from the grind. Um, <laughs> but uh, so if you haven't yet, make sure to throw a comment into Apple Podcasts along with rating it. Uh, make sure to you know leave a way for us to get a hold of you. So that way, if you do win, if your name gets picked, then we can send you the goods. And by the way, the goods, Jake Plummer, White Cardinals jersey, and this is a detail I have to say every time with the little blue and yellow Ooh. sunshine patch. That was my next question. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was. It Somebody was commented that they didn't really want the jersey until they heard about the patch. Yeah, it's and it's an important development to to the jersey. So you know, I used to have a Kent Graham jersey with that patch. Wow, long long ago. I wish I still had it. Could could be a double whammy giveaway. Man, Tyler, if you want to donate any jersey, old jerseys of the podcast, I mean, we are we are here, and I think the listeners are willing and wanting for for anything you might have. Can I throw one out there? I was unable to sell it on eBay, so might as well give it to the pod. 
<laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe I wasn't able to sell this on eBay. What? Which one was it? Rex Grossman Florida Gators. Oh my God. No nameplate. Okay. Some Nameless, might. but it's clearly Rex. Michael Nietzsche Florida. was commenting uh, on iTunes that he said he wanted the Gross. This was like when we first yeah. teased the giveaway. He was saying that he wanted the Grossman. So wow, maybe it'll be a Lob double barrel. Out there. Yeah, we, <laughs> double we, barrel. We shall see. All right. Well, I mean, two, I mean, Jake Plummer and Rex Grossman, just two of the finest. <laughs> yes, I mean, signal callers of you, our era. Can you go wrong? Can you really go? Mobile, wrong? heady, savvy. Uh, feel like I have both like. of them on my fantasy team at some point. Uh, which probably says a lot about me as a. <laughs> As a fantasy, one owner. was a Super Bowl quarterback, yeah, and right. one was Jake Plummer. And one was Jake Plummer. was I mean, he, he was good. He took the Broncos to the championship game. I, I know he just he was. Uh, what, what's the way to describe Jake Plummer? He he kind of struck me as the same kind of guy as Jay Cutler uh, before Jay Cutler True. was ever Jay Cutler, and I I respect that in a man, but you know, I do Jake that. Plummer had much better hair though. Ooh, I think it's kind of similar hair. Better beard, though. Yeah, Jake Farmer was, was pretty great. Anyway. wonder what he's doing these days. He's probably doing just fine, yeah. if I know anything about Jake Plummer, right? Smoking pot, right? I mean, he's pro-weed. Is he? I think I've seen oh, is those it, stories Oh, is he out. that guy? Yeah, I think this so. This is real. Okay. Yeah, well, he's doing just okay. Uh, good, good for him. I had Jake Plummer's pot crusade. There it is. <laughs> on Bleach Report. Thelab.com. There you go. Check it out. BleachReport.com. T-I-L. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you all for listening to this uh, version of the Bills Beat. The next time we'll be, we will talk to you will be next week, and it will be the giveaway pod. So make sure that uh, you get your comments and your ratings in right now. All right, guys. For Tyler Dunn and Matthew Fairburn, my name's Joe Biscaglia. We will talk to you next week. See ya.